Priceless Perspective. I'm your hostess, Nicole Steele, and you are in for a treat today. Our guest on the show is Miss Brittany J. of High Heels and High Standards. She's got a tremendous testimony of the power of Christ in her life and how he transformed her from a former party girl into a bold witness and a voice for this generation. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. I learned about you. Actually, our education coordinator, Ms. Audra McDaniels, told me to check out this young woman on Facebook. And as I went out and I started to read some of the posts, I knew I had to reach out to you. I said, I got to get this young lady on the show. I, I could, though I was just reading your post, I could feel the passion. I could feel the fire and the boldness and how unashamed you are about your love for Christ. And so before I have you share information on the tremendous ministry that you have, high heels and high standards, which I absolutely love and adore, I want you to take our listeners back, and I want you to share with us what life was like growing up as the young Brittany. Okay. As a young Brittany, I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I had two loving parents. Like, my parents spoiled me rotten. Like, I got all the attention from them. Um, I got everything I ever wanted. And at that time, I didn't see that those attributes were bad. You know, as a young child, you think being spoiled and shallow, you think it's like nothing as a big deal. But, you know, since I've come to know Christ, I realized that those attributes are bad and he's still working on me. So, you know, growing up, I was always very popular. I was a cheerleader. And I was in church. I was a pretty good girl. You know, I went to church. My heart was for God at the time. I was reading my Bible. But when I went off to middle school, that's when I really started liking God. And I didn't realize at that point, that's when I really started using God to fulfill my void. It's like when you start liking God, it's like another world. It's like the Barbies and stuff I used to like, that's not interesting anymore. Now I want to talk to guys, and I want to go to the skating ring and hang with my friends. And that's when I really started going to, the, like, the little skating ring, like the little teen, pre-teen clubs in Atlanta. You know, they have a lot of pre-teen clubs. And I have to tell my parents that I'm going skating, but really it's a little dance club for middle schoolers. And that's what I used to do. I, um, at that time, that's when I really started lying to my parents. Like, of course, I was compared to everyone else. I was still a very good girl, but my parents didn't know a lot of things I was doing. I used to just lie about, you know, where I used to go or having a boyfriend with my dad didn't allow us to date until we were 18 years old, me and my sister. So I used to have boyfriends. He just didn't know about it. So I had a very good upbringing. My parents, we were raised in church. Um, they taught us about morals. My mom taught us about saving ourselves from marriage. But, of course, my heart was still on the world. And I did remain a virgin throughout high school. So um, that's a little bit of my upbringing. 
Okay, so then fast forward and take us to what life was like when you went to college. What school did you attend, and what was that college life like? So I attended Albany State University, and and everyone knows Albany is probably the biggest party school in Georgia. Um, I lost my virginity this summer before I went off to college, and when I got to college, it was like another world. It's like think about a whole bunch of teenagers on one campus with no adult supervision, no curfew, you have access to liquor and all kind of stuff, and that's what life was as a freshman. I was like in another world. You know, you have your parents' money, you have access to all the money. All you got to do is go to class and you get to live it up and party it up. So in Albany, we partied literally Monday through Saturday. Every single day we partied. I used to go to class hungover some days. Some days I didn't even go to class because I was so tired. It was like another life. And um, at that time, compared to everyone else around me, I was a good girl because in college it's like another world. You, Most girls that you know, even most of my acquaintances, they were having sex with different guys every week. It's like in college it's like you don't really – I didn't really know about any relationships. It's like people just talk to people. You just hook up with people. There's no such thing as relationships. Like a lot of people we had boyfriends or girlfriends, you have um, people back home that you went with when you went back to Atlanta, but in school it was just like – I like you, you like me, so we're going to hook up. So um, college life, it was just like another world, like the immorality. And that's when I, the things I thought were abnormal in high school, because, you know, I grew up, you're doing this, ill. that's nasty. Like, you know, in high school, it wasn't really like that. So when I got to college and became around all this stuff, I kind of got desensitized to all the simple things that I thought were so abnormal. I mean, people were smoking and drinking every day. Like, every single day, popping pills, I mean, it was just like a world full of sin. Sin was so rampant. And, of course, here I am. I'm thinking I'm still a good girl. You know, I still went to a Bible study on campus. I'm not as bad as everyone else around me. So I was comparing myself to other people around me instead of comparing myself to the Word of God. So um, that's when, in college, that's when I really started getting my heart broken because, of course, in high school I got my heart broke, but I wasn't having sex, so it wasn't that deep. But in college, just like a soul tie. So I was really getting my heart broken at that time, and it was like my heart began to get cold. Like growing up, I was always very hyper. I was always very bubbly, this very energetic girl. But when I went off to college with all the drama, my heart began to get hard, and I began to get really stuck up and mean towards people because it felt like everyone was against me. Like in college, you're going to hear so many rumors so much stuff about you. I got in a um, fight for the first time in my life. I got my car key. It was all because of guys, and it was all because of sin. So that's a little bit of my college life. Woo, girl. (laughs) It sounds like not only was it physically, did it physically take a toll on you, but it seems like emotionally and spiritually it was draining. And I think that's really interesting because I know, I know firsthand the lies that the enemy can create that life is good on this side. I mean, he always shows you sin, but he never shows you the consequences of it. And he dresses it up really good. And it does look like, oh, my goodness, I'm I'm the only one that's not doing it, so let me jump over there. But there's a high price to pay. So can you talk a little bit about that downward spiral, I mean, emotionally, socially? It sounded like you had to almost have two faces. You had the face that your parents knew. I'm sure they were calling. I'm sure you came home and visited. I'm sure maybe you came home to your home church. And so what was it like trying to keep up both sides 
of Brittany. You know, I've got this party side. i got this side that's out there, this side that's down at Albany State, but then I have this other face that I have to keep up. Did did you, was it, was it tiring? For well, for, for me, it was more so with my parents because, like, I, I was the type I went to church, but I was never fake. So in church, I would just sit there and I'd be texting. I was never the type who stood up and raised my hand and prayed. I wasn't fake to that extent. But with my parents, like, my parents still thought I was a virgin. So every time my mom, like, will go somewhere, she's like, oh, yeah, my daughter's still a virgin. She hold it on. And I'm looking like, Lord, please to change the subject. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, every time she brought up God, I'll change the subject. And it's like, I was just lying to them, like, like, I'll be in the morning, she called me, I'm next to my boyfriend, but acting like I'm in my dorm. Like, spending the night with my boyfriend, you know, and a lot of times they call me, I'm drunk. I'm trying my best not to stutter because I'm drunk, but they didn't know that. So they really thought, like, my daughter, they knew I partied and stuff. But they're thinking, you know, my daughter's done in college, getting her education. And at one point, my grades were when I say terrible, I was close to getting kicked out of school because I was so busy partying and with uh, my boyfriend and my friends, I wasn't even going to class. And I was like, Lord, I cannot get kicked out of school. What are my parents going to think? So by the grace of God, I didn't get kicked out. But it's like too much, like just trying to lie into your parents to live in this other life. And, I mean, spiritually and physically, it showed like I was so empty. Like, and the thing about it, I was very popular. Like, my nickname was Miss Popular. So I was very popular in the in crowd, VIP in every club, but I was so empty, especially after, like, my freshman and sophomore year, it wasn't a big deal because I was, it was new, but by my junior year, that lifestyle really began to weigh on me. It was like, this is really not fun anymore, but what else am I going to do, you know? I didn't want to give up on my sin, you know, and I had points throughout my college experience where, like, for a week or two, I'll try to read my Bible, listen to gospel music, and get right with God, but it would never work because I wanted my sin and God at the same time. And, you know, with repentance, it's like God's like, no, you got to make up your mind. It's either me or the sin. Um, and I remember, okay, one of my, the, I think the lowest point, and this was right before I got saved, um, for spring break, um, me and my best friend, we went to Hollywood, California, and I mean, I was supposed to be living my life. I mean, we went to the um, NBA game. We were VIP in every club. I mean, all the guys. I mean, getting drinks on drinks. I mean, supposed to be having a time of my life. And I remember that last night I was there, I was crying. I was just so empty. Me and my boyfriend, he wouldn't talk to me because I was out of town. Then this guy I was um, talking to in L.A., he wasn't giving me attention like I wanted. He, I was getting no attention, and I was so empty. If I wasn't getting attention from a guy, I felt like my world, I felt like so empty. And that's when I realized that guys are my idols. Well, I didn't realize it at that point, but guys are my idols. If I wasn't, if they wasn't completing me, I was so empty. And that was like the downfall. That was two months before Christ saved me, so. You know, that's really interesting because as girls, and, and if if we don't get it in check, we grow up and we become women that put our value and our worth in guys and what they think or what how, what kind of attention we get by the clothes that we wear. Instead of putting our attention in what matters, which is what Christ thinks about us, the, the one that created us, what he thinks about us, I think it's really interesting that you said that growing up you came from like you said, a good home with loving parents who, who gave you attention. Your father was active. Your mother was active in your life. And you grew up in church. And I, I thank you for your honesty and your transparency because people need to know that going to church and having religion and knowing about God is so different 
from having a relationship with him. So can you tell us about what happened in your life that last year in college or right after college when you actually, when things changed, when they shifted and when the transformation began? Okay. Yeah, because throughout my life, like I said, I always read my Bible, but I was spiritually blind, so I didn't quite understand. And then I have my periods of time. Like I said, I just listened to straight gospel music. So my senior year of school, God was drawing me like crazy. I remember, like, um, me and my boyfriend at that time, he was just, I don't even, I'm not going to call it my boyfriend, but he was just, like, cheating on me. I knew about it, but I was, I felt like I couldn't, I wanted to leave so bad, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't leave him. I tried my best. I used to just cry myself to sleep all the time, and God really started to draw me. I um, went online, and I printed out prayers, and just, I really began to have a hunk for him, and I decided that I was going to move back home to Atlanta and take online classes until I graduated, and I didn't realize that was God at that time, because I just told my boyfriend that to get his attention. I said, I'm going to move back um, to Atlanta next year. I just wanted to get attention from him, and not realizing that was God, and I told my friends at that time, I said, if me and him don't work out, I'm not having sex again until I'm married, not realizing that was God again. So um, I moved back home December 2011. That was the last time I had sex, and when I moved back home, God began to draw me and strip away desires that was contrary to him. He began to break off um, a lot of friendships. And then the last time I went to the club, I was sober for the first time because I couldn't drink because it was God stopping it. And I was sober and I looked around and I realized I was not going to live my life like this. It's so empty. And um, it, I, I, God began to just do a work in me. And the more and more I began to know him, especially when he saved me, I realized that Going to church means absolutely nothing. It's about being truly born again and having a relationship with God. Like Christianity is not a Sunday thing. Or a lot of us, I say churchianity, a lot of us are just churched. We go to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. We know all the right things to say, but our heart is far from God. Like in the book of Isaiah, it says these people honor me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. And that's how a lot of people in church are. You know, growing up, I grew up in church. I looked around and saw all these people around me. You're putting on one face in church, but outside of church, you're different. And I knew that I didn't want to be like that. I knew in, one, in my mind, I always knew, I said, by 30 years old, I said, at 30 years old, I'm going to get saved for real. So I always knew when I when I get saved, I'm going to go hard for Jesus because I had an older sister who's um, four years older than me, and she was truly saved for 10 years. She's saved, and I saw the change in her, so I knew that it is possible to live for God because she was on fire for God. So I knew that, but I didn't want to be like these people, religious, like going through the motions. Like, why would I fake play church when I can just live in the world? So I, I knew that it was going to be different, and when Christ saved me, he completely opened up my eyes, and I see Gosh, when you're truly saved, he changes your heart and he changes your desires. You're not forcing yourself to do rituals and follow rules. You have a new heart and a new nature, and you want to long for him. You just want to love him. You just want to know who he is. So that's the difference between religion and a relationship. Like a relationship, I talk to God. He leads me. He directs me. It's not me forcing myself because I have a new heart and a new nature. So that's pretty much the difference between churchianity and Christianity. Ooh, I like that, churchianity and Christianity. Yes. Now, like you, a lot of people feel to say, you know what, I don't want to fake it, and so you know what, I'm going to have my fun, I'm going to live my life, and then when I'm ready, when I get older, when I'm ready to settle down, 
I'm going I'm gonna lean in and I'm going to give it all to God. But you know, you know, I mean, by God's grace, you were able to make that transformation, but the reality is a lot of people don't, or the price that they pay by waiting can be the difference in their life and their death. You know, you think about living a life, you think about the consequences of premarital sex, and you've got STDs yes. that are taking people out, you've got violence, you've got dating violence, you've got, you know, depression, you've got all of these different things, and so there's no perfect time to come to Christ. Christ is not waiting for us to get it together to come to him. He says, come as you are. So can you speak about all of those things in the life and the somewhat of the joy that you thought you were getting versus what you experience now. I know people, you said that you were popular, that you were, you know, always the center of attention. Did you give up something? I mean, was it worth it? Was the exchange oh, worth it? Is I, life boring for you now? Is oh. there no joy in your life now? Yeah, see, for me, and that's what people look at, because, you know, a lot of times we look at people like they're older now. Oh, they gave their servant Jesus in because they're old. You know, they have no life anyway. But for me, I was in the prime of my life. I was the popular girl in the club. I mean, everyone, I was always very popular. So it's like, why would this girl give up all this for this Jesus. This is how you knew this was real because I gave up my life. I gave up the partying, the sex, the relationships, all my friends. My friends are very popular too. I was always in the in crowd, like the popular girls of Atlanta. Everyone knew us. And I gave up all this for this Jesus. And people see me because everyone, especially on social networks, people see like, hold on, is this this Brittany Miss Popular Girl? Who was in the club all the time, now she's a minister. Why would she give up this stuff? And if you, can, if you see me, everyone sees me, and they know you cannot deny the joy I have. Like in the world, the only time you have joy is really when you're sinning, and that stuff is temporal. Once the high is gone, once the, the liquor wears off, once the relationship dies, once the money ends, you're empty, you're depressed. But with Christ, my joy is not dependent on my circumstances. And don't get me wrong, I have times in my Christian walk, like sometimes, like, you know, I long for my husband or there's not much to do, but I have joy and peace and I'm content. I can sit at home. I'm just content and so joyful. And it's funny because my little sister, um, she the other day, um, she sees the transformation in me, and she was telling her friend, like, yeah, Brittany has such a bad attitude. Like, now she's just so bubbly and hyper, and that's why you cannot fake that. My little sister right now, she's in the world, but she sees that. She sees that back when Brittany... It looked like she had it all, though, but she had a bad attitude. And now she lives for Jesus, and she's just so happy to me. People see the transformation. People close to me, they see, like, this girl really is different. Like, they might not like it. They may say bad stuff, but they can't deny that I'm different and I'm joyful. Like, you cannot deny that. And in the world, it's all, like I tell people, it's all of a size. It's smoke and mirrors. You see these celebrities. You see these people on Instagram turning up, looking like they're having their life. These people are so empty. That's why they're still doing the same thing. These people are 30 and 40 and 50 years old still in the club because they're empty. When you have Christ, he gives you joy and peace that no money or nothing else can buy. Nothing else, I'm telling people, nothing else will ever satisfy you. A lot of women, we think, okay, when I get that college degree, I'm going to be complete. When I get that career, when I get my husband, but you're still going to be empty and you're just going to go to something else to try to fulfill that void. But with Christ, I may not have it all. I may not have the car I want, the job, or even a man, but I'm complete and I'm completely satisfied 
satisfied in him. He truly fulfills all of my needs and desires. So sin is sin is just a bait. The devil makes it look so appealing, but the price that comes with it is not worth it. The price that comes with sin, the, the soul ties, the STDs, the emotional attachments, I mean the DUIs, all the stuff that comes with sin is not worth it at all. It's all a, it's smoke and mirrors, and it's all fading, so. Well, what has been the most challenging thing for you since you've committed your life to Christ? I mean, as you encounter people who did know you back in the day, when you do encounter people who knew you at Albany State, maybe ex-boyfriends, maybe people who used to be in the club, how do you handle that? Are people saying you're brand new, you didn't change, you know, who she thinks she is? How do you deal with some of the adversity and the hate that comes with this transformation? Yeah, honestly, I get I get more hate from my family than anything. I mean, I, I don't I don't really see anyone anymore, but I, I just hear, you know, they dog me out. Of course, a lot of them deleted me from Facebook and stuff and say I'm judgmental and this and that. You know, like the darkness hate life, and I understand that. I know when you're a Christian, the persecution will come, and I knew that, and I, God kind of braced me for that because, you know what, and it's funny, God will not put you through something unless he prepare you first. When I was in Albany State, I was probably the most hated girl there, and I didn't understand why. Don't get me wrong, I was popular, but I was like, I'm not the prettiest girl. I don't dress the best. I mean, I was, my friends called me public enemy number one. It was times people in the club I didn't even know tried to fight me. Like, people I didn't even know just dogging me out. I'm like, Jesus, I haven't even talked to you in my life. So God prepared me for the hate. I was so hated in college. So now that I'm saved, it's like when people hate me, I'm like, oh, I, I already been there, done that in college. I, I know how to handle the hate. I really, I'm nonchalant a lot when it comes to it. And God is teaching me how to love these people um, in the midst of it. And of course, um, most of my old friends, a lot of us, we're still cordial. We may text here and there, but I, it's different. They're not going to admit it to me. I know a lot of them, they think I'm judgmental or looking down on them. But I'm telling them, hey, you know, y'all see what Christ has done in my life. I want y'all to be free. I cannot sugarcoat the gospel or water down the gospel so that you won't be offended. Hey, you should be offended if you're living a life that is in rebellion against God and you're convicted. People think that, you know, I'm condemning them. No, you're convicted. You know, today in churches, people don't really hear the truth, so they don't know how it feels to be convicted. So when they read my posts, they're convicted. I'm telling them, hey, you know, conviction is a good thing. It leads you to repentance. Don't, don't ignore that from the Holy Spirit. So um, I'm, I really know how to deal with the hate. I get a lot of it. I really do. But um, glory to God to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness, you know. And it's not always easy. I'm not going to sit up here and act like it doesn't faze me. You know, especially when your heart is in the right place, like you want people to be saved and you really care for them and you're praying for them and they're, you know, lying on you and making up stuff. But, you know, no servant is greater than their master, so they did the same thing to Jesus. They did the same thing to the old prophets and the disciples, so I just carry all his joy. That's how I pretty much handle it. That's great. And I think as long as we live, as you said, as, as we live for Christ, there's going to be persecution, but doing it, doing it in love because he's not a respecter of people. And so what he did in your life, what he's done in my life, in all of his children's lives who came to know him in the midst of their mess, he can do it for anybody. His love for us is so enormous. And so that's what people have to understand that you don't have to hate on me. You don't have to hate on Brittany. You can just partake and have some, you know, get some Amen. of this. Just come, come on in. Come on in. And there's nothing but love, nothing but love. So, um, well, let's talk about high heels and high standards. I love the quote that you use on your Facebook, keep your heels high and your standards higher. Can you tell yes. us 
why you started that ministry and, and tell us some of the great things that you're doing and that you desire to do in the community. Okay. Well, first um, I want to say the mission of High Hills and High Standards. We are a group of young women who all have a passion for Jesus Christ and evangelism. Christ has radically transformed our lives, and we desire our generation to get back to biblical Christianity and upholding God's standards. We boldly proclaim the gospel and encourage, exhort, and edify women. We do not water down or compromise God's word, and we focus on the gospel, repentance, holiness, purity, God's love, and evangelism. We are not about popularity and being known. We live to make Jesus Christ known around the world. Our heart and desire is to see women from all cultures, races, ages, and backgrounds come to the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And um, God told me about the name. Well, I actually have a song that said, I like my women with high heels and high standards. And I remember I said, like, I didn't realize it was God told me this. If I ever get a ministry, I'm going to name it high heels and high standards. So after I wrote my testimony blog in 2012, it began to really blow up. I really, I mean, like from ten to twenty to thirty thousand views, and a lot of women were writing me asking for advice because they were like, "Hey, Brittany, I'm going through that same thing now. I went through that same thing. Can you help me?" And I was like, "Okay, God, I see that you're putting my story out there. It, it's more to it." So I decided to start the ministry of February in 2013, and God really began to use it. I saw so many women, the desperate need for a ministry for a young person who truly, you know, preaches the gospel and have a passion and a love for women because I know I was that woman who didn't know my worth, and there's so many women were placing our value in so many things. And a lot of women, you know, I thought I had standards in the um, past because I was one of those stuck-up girls, like, you know, me and my friends, we, were, we, weren't, we wouldn't do this. Like, you only had to be a certain kind of way to hang with us, and we thought those were standards. But when I got saved, I saw those were not standards. Those were superficial and shallow standards. I want to talk about real standards, you know, as a Christian, like standards as in being pure into marriage, holding up God's standards of holiness. Women need to know about real standards because we look at the um, – we look at celebrities and all these reality shows, and we think these women got standards because they're rich and they're pretty, but they have no standards. So I think young girls need to see what true standards are, how to, you know, live for God and how to stay pure and to marriage and how to, you know, overcome a lot of things. So I just pray that this ministry really continues to bless a lot of young women and that they can see the transparency in me and see Christ through me. Well, I know that you all are doing something during the month of April at Agnes Scott College. Can you tell the listeners about this upcoming event? Yes, of April 26th at Agnes Scott College, we'll be having um, High Hills and High Standards presents Real Talk, Girl Talk. So um, I'll be having my friends, a lot of my friends there, and we'll have three young guys there. We'll have panels, testimonies, spoken word. We'll have preaching, small groups, and prayer. I think this will be a really good thing, for, especially for young girls to see, because a lot of us in church, we see a lot of older women you know, we, you, it's rare that you see young women on fire for God who used to live in the world, but God has changed their lives. And that's my friends, you know, all of us, we were popular in the world, but God has transformed our lives. And it's just going to be a great event. We have Christian rap, and I'm just very excited for them to see, like, this is Christianity. A lot of us grew up and we see, this, you know, the churchianity and the shouting and the faking, and people think, like, hey, I'm turned off from that. But I want them to see, like, you can be young and have fun and still live for God at the same time. So this event will be very awesome, and glory will go to God. Um, it's April 26, 2014, at Agnes Scott College in the chapel. Is there a cost for it? And if so, how no. can people? It's a free event, okay. Yes. And I'm making it can... free, yes. 
All right. How can um, people find out about it and tell their friends about it? Is there any information online or on your Facebook? Yes. If you go to my Facebook page, facebook.com, High Hills and High Standards, or you can just Google High Hills and High Standards and my Facebook page will come up, or you can go to my Instagram page, High Hills underscore underscore standards, and my Twitter, Britt J, B-R-I-T-T-J-A-Y, all of that information will be available for everyone, I want young people to come out and see, you know, young people passionate about Christ. Now, do you go out and make yourself available to minister to people, to come to churches and to youth groups and youth conferences? Are you uh, available for that kind of work as well? Yes, and that's why my voice is kind of hoarse. I um, just preached somewhere at a youth revival on Friday, so I am available for speaking engagements. You can write me on my page, or my email is highhillsstandards at gmail.com for booking engagements. Fantastic. Well, Brittany, I am so excited. I, I love what you're doing. Again, I love your passion. We need more young people like you that are on fire, that are unashamed, that are standing bold for Christ and are showing people that it doesn't matter where you've come from, that God has an awesome and a mighty plan and purpose for your life. So I wish you continued success. Please keep us in the loop. Let us know here at A Priceless Perspective and at Diamond in the Rough what you're doing and how we can support you. Um, I invite all of the listeners of the show to go out, check out her Facebook page, check out her web shows. You actually have web shows available online through, is it through YouTube? Is that correct? Yes. My YouTube channel is, you can just type in High Hills and High Standards and it will come up. And check check her out. She's got some some real issues, real topics that she addresses head on. And so we need to be talking about these things in in this generation. We need to be talking about them and and removing the the blinders from people and helping them see Christ in a new way. He's the same God, but we need to change our view of him and see him in his true goodness and his light. So again, I wish you the best, Brittany, in all that you're doing. Continue to do great things for God's glory. Thank you so much, you too. Join the conversation. Visit us online at pricelessperspective.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This show has been brought to you in part by Diamond in the Rough Youth Development Program Incorporated and Gemmakers LLC. 